Yeah, wasting away. Look at that. And not in Margaritaville. Yeah. <laughs> the worst kind of wasting away, honestly. Right. If you're going to waste away, I mean, come you on. I just want to do it down in Margaritaville. <laughs> uh, it's, it's on taking pictures. It's, uh, it's Tuesday morning. Where where we are, I don't know where it is, what time it is where you are, but it's Tuesday morning here on the eastern seaboard of the United States, of these United States. <coughs> these United States. I like that. I like that <laughs> I, phrase. I always like when they say that. Yeah. These United States. Yeah. Uh, although really not so united. Um, and it's year six. We've been talking about this for... Five years. I don't know. <laughs> five, it's right, five years. <laughs> 470,000 hours. Um, Bill is in Brooklyn. Yep. I'm in Silver Spring. Back in Brooklyn. Back for, in for Brooklyn. For year six. Right. Uh, I'm glad you're back safely. Yeah. It was... Looked uh, like you had fun. Uh, it was a good trip. Yep. Got to hang out with a lot of people, meet a lot of people, do a lot of things, saw pretty much everyone I wanted to see out there, I what think. What was the best meal you had? <clears throat> best meal I had? Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even really think about the food all that much. I had really San good Francisco, soup one of the one great night. food cities in the country. Yeah, but I live in the great food city in the country. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, no, I, I honestly, um, we had some really good soup dumplings. Uh-huh. That's like a, in, that's like a uh, Where, Chinatown? Uh, actually, way out west in outer Richmond at this place ah, called okay. Shanghai something. Shanghai Dumpling King, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but it was, uh, it was a good trip, relatively good weather. You know, I'd never walked through Golden Gate Park. Uh, it's a beautiful park. Yes, absolutely beautiful park. Although, you know what's amazing about San Francisco, which I, 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 you know, I've been there a handful of times before, but I never really stayed more than a couple of days, so I never really noticed. Huge homeless population. Oh, gi- ginormous, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and now with the opioid epidemic and everything like that, it's like zombie central. Like, feels like a zombie movie in certain places, like in the Tenderloin. Hmm. Um, yeah, the Tenderloin's a rough district. Well, and that's where I mean, our that's... hotel was because that's where the conference we were at was. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like, whoa, yeah. And it's San Francisco. San Francisco is interesting in that the the districts or the neighborhoods are. I mean, much like New York, I would imagine. They're so different from one another. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you go from the Tenderloin to Noe Valley or, you know, to North Beach yeah. or Portrero or something. Yeah. They're all so different. You know what else was really interesting? How Google Maps will tell you the shortest route, but doesn't take into account the fact that there might be a 45 degree hill for five blocks in the middle of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of those hills in San Francisco might as well be staircases, right? I mean, they may as well be right. ladders. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, pretty intense. Uh, but I'm back and we are starting year six and, year six. uh, it's exciting. Well, apparently Bill. Yeah. The only thing that happened while you were gone is that Sony released the A9. It's the only thing that happened. People were very excited about that. Cause <clears throat> that's, that's, that's the only thing people are talking about. And, and it's, and that it's the perfect camera. It's a game changer. Uh, yeah, exactly. What about it is game changing other than the fact that it basically shoots video and stills cause it shoots like 73 frames a second. I, just, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, it and, looks like and a it's great sort of, camera. I'm sure it is. But, you know, that is yeah, definitely a specialized camera. It's peak. We've gotten to that sort of peak camera, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. We got to the peak camera three, four years ago. I, uh, 
Uh, so I was thinking about the whole thing, like we've we've talked about computers and 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 Moore's law, and you know, it's it's so so now we've we've kind of hit this point where where camera manufacturers aren't selling as many cameras, right? So now they're coming out with these more expensive cameras. Yeah, um, the A nine is forty five hundred for the body. Um, and you got to imagine they're going to come out with an A9R and an A9S. Sure, sure. Right? Um, the G series lenses are, you know, two grand a piece. You've got Fuji releasing their medium format camera, and it's it's funny the the ad campaign and 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 the social media campaign around it. Around they're the treating Fuji it or the like Sony? on the Fuji. Okay, they're okay. treating it like it's just this is your this should be your next camera. You know, yeah, like, like your average person is going to spend 10 grand on a camera. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure they're both incredible cameras. I'm sure they are yep. technically. Yep. But I'll tell you what, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a photographer and who does workshops. And he was saying that, that, you know, he gets a lot of students who have technically really great pictures. They light really well. The photos are sharp. They're all aspects of the of the technical nature of photography are covered and covered well but they've got no heart right yeah do you and do you think ahead. that's always been the case it's just that people can obsess about the technical stuff now because of sort of the iterative nature of digital photography in general the ability to learn and see what you're doing and you know all that all etc 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 that everyone said a million times sure that 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 Okay, the technical stuff is easy to get, right? I mean, like that—that's a matter of working hard, looking, iterating, getting better. But the, and and so back in the day when everyone was carrying around a camera, there were probably just as many crappy, boring, whatever pictures taken. It's just that they weren't as technically excellent because that wasn't an easy. It's become easier to achieve technical excellence. And now you're back to, okay, you've got that. Now try to get some quote unquote artistic excellence. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, but even within that, there's a hypocrisy, right? Like I, I was watching mean? an interview with, uh, with, um, uh, Martin Parr interviewed by Kai Wong. Okay. Formerly of digital Ref. Okay. And, you know, we, we, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've talked about him several times and, and big fan. I love Kai. And he was talking to, to Martin Parr who won, some award at, uh, I think the, the Sony Image Award, something like that. And uh, he, he was asking questions from the internet, people that wrote in on Twitter. And somebody asked, you know, what mode he shoots in. And Martin Park kind of giggled. And he said, you know, I, I put it in P. Right. And I just let the camera do its thing. He's like, and a, a lot of people look down their nose at me because, you know, manual is the way to go. But he's like, these cameras, you know, they're, 99% of the time, they're going to nail exposure. Right, right, They're right. going to nail it. So why not let the camera do the, do the heavy lifting and you focus on composition and, you know, the things that the camera can't, fo- can't do for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's funny that, that on the one hand, some, some of the photography industry and some of the people who are photographers, some photographers obsess over the technical nature of cameras, yet... This, this sort of very basic technical aspect of the camera, letting it do its job in terms of determining exposure, is somehow looked down on. Yeah, right. I, I think it, look, I think it comes down to, I think Martin Park could certainly be comfortable shooting in manual. Sure. Right. Uh, 
he he chooses to let the camera do a lot of the work in the same way that actually I've found myself shooting more manually more often now because I want consistency from exposure to exposure so I can do post-production more easily. But mm-hmm. that, but there's a very specific reason why I'm doing, you know what I mean, that, that I'm choosing sure. to do that. If you're Martin sure. Parr and your work is more about the world around you and not every, sh- it's not like you're taking 15, 20 shots of the same basic setup in order to get some kind of thing, then yeah, letting the camera do its thing is an obvious move, right? Because these things have gotten super smart to your point. Right. I mean, yeah. it is very difficult to trick a camera into giving you a terrible exposure, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're not in spot meter mode or something. Like if you if you say, no, 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 look at the whole frame. Give me the best you got. They'll generally right. do a great job. Right. And and so, yeah, he doesn't even think about it because his and his pictures. I mean, to 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 his point, Martin Parr's pictures are never about technical excellence. It's all about no. the composition. No. And in fact, he, he talks, you know, pretty frankly in this, it's a brief interview, but he talks pretty frankly about really poorly embracing, too, by the way. Yeah, embracing <laughs> the garish colors, embracing harsh light, embracing, you know, harsh shadows. Right, right. Because that's, that's kind of his sweet spot, right? That's the right. style that has emerged out of out of 40 odd years of shooting. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing that I found fa- fascinating was that when, when he starts a new project, he tends to go back to the beach. He tends to, to keep going back to the same place and let a new project emerge from the same sort of physical locale uh, as, as each project that had come before it. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's, um, I, I th- but I think that there is a difference between knowing how everything works and choosing to use the automatic things where it suits your, you or your work and mm-hmm. not feeling guilty about that because you, you know, are losing some sort of photographic street cred. Right. <laughs> right. And the alternative being, I don't know how to use any of this stuff. So I just put it in P. I think, I think those are two different things. Now it may be that you technical knowledge of, of camera settings or whatever doesn't matter to you. And that's, I guess a perfectly fine way of looking at it. It, it mm-hmm. would drive me crazy personally because I wouldn't be able to predict what I was going to get, which I think is a, sure. a big part of the problem, right? Sure. But again, to your point, a lot of what you do, in fact, most of what you do, especially if it's in studio, is is a very controlled environment. Right, it's, exactly. You're controlling light, shadow, you're controlling color, you're right. controlling... I, you know, you, you want that level of, of control, right. whereas... For Martin, Parr's he wants work. to make sure he gets the moment, and right. everything right. else is is secondary to that. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. you know, it's just it's fascinating where kind of where the industry is going in that in that way. And I, I a listener, this is this is quick. A listener sent me, uh, and I don't remember who it was, so I'm sorry. And if you if you remember who you are, uh, podcasted on taking pictures. Um, sent me the link to a guy named Sean Tucker, who is a, a terrific photographer in the UK, and he's got a really great YouTube channel. Um, he doesn't post often, but the things that he does post are are really cool. And uh, his one of his latest, in fact, it might even be the latest one. He's talking about yes. paring down, and uh, he still uses 5D Mark IIs. Sure. He buys them used so that if they break, if he drops them, if he loses them, if they get stolen, it's $500 to replace instead of, you know, $4,500. A Mark II's only 500 bucks now? Yeah, he says you can get them wow. on eBay. And I, I looked, you can, 600 bucks. Wow. For Mark II. I should buy one just as a backup. 
Right. And still, still, I mean, this is a 10 year old camera, but it's still, you know, 21 megapixels, still yeah. full frame, still, you know, as long as you're not shooting, you know, crazy low light or need, you know, crazy fast autofocus for sports. Even in fairly low light, fantastic. it's still great. Yeah, still a fantastic yeah. camera. And he talks about, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about, simplifying. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just... Yeah, this article is all about taking like a single a single lens on on a trip or something like that. Right. right. So let me uh, a 5D2 and a 50. And that's it. Yeah. And you know... And it's I, something that you and I both have done as as exercises. Oh, sure. And, and have, have gotten some great results out of for, it. For travel, I mean, if I'm shooting for me, it almost always is just a single lens, you know, mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, and there, there are times when you have that lens and you're like, oh my God, this shot would be amazing if I had a wide-angled lens. Or I right. really wish I had something longer than the 35 I have on here because I, I found that while shooting, say, the with the uh, little Fuji X100 in Italy a few years ago, where it's right, like, right. oh, okay, yes, I can get a perfectly pretty beautiful shot here. If I had my druthers, I would have a different lens, but you know what I mean? Like making it work with yep. what you have is, is part of the thing. You know, speaking of the technical stuff, um, friend of the show, Alan Bailward, emailed me the other day just asking if... He he's found with his with his Pentax K1, which by the way, I played with a Pentax K1 the other day because Conrad's friend up in Healdsburg uh, had one, and I got to play with it. And that is a nice little camera. Little being well, it's relative, but I mean that is yeah. a really nice camera. Yeah, it is. I mean it's a, it's the same I, sensor as the D810, yeah, right? I, I would I would wholly and totally consider that camera. Yeah. If, if, if I, I love the chunky design of those cameras, I'll tell you. Yeah, it was really nice, and uh, uh, he also had one of the old lenses, so it like jumps into crop mode and it like shows it in the viewfinder. It's, it was pretty cool. Hmm. Anyway, he he said that lately he's when he's going through pictures, if something isn't uh, isn't sharp at a hundred percent. He finds himself throwing away more images because of lack of technical perfection. Basically, that the the camera is hmm. so much more demanding of technical excellence to get the most out of it that when he right. doesn't get the most out of it, he tends to 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 feel bad about like if he misses focus. Like on he's a let the or camera down or something. Well, no, that 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 he, he'll actually throw out pictures because he feels like they're not technically good, but they're otherwise good. And if he had shot them with his 16 megapixel or whatever the old cropped camera was you wouldn't have seen that focus imperfection because mm. there was just so many less pixels and he was just asking me what i thought and it's funny because i actually have the same problem quote unquote uh right. with the z is that it's like yeah it is really difficult to get it to be super tack sharp like your everything has to be perfect right in order to get it to mm-hmm. be perfect and and there's at least a few shots in in the 365 project i'm doing where if you looked at them at 100 percent, they're not tack perfect but right. i decided you know what like first of all i'm doing almost 400 of these things like they all can't be absolutely tack perfect but that that it was more important to get the picture and if it's not exactly perfect on focus or little camera shake or whatever it is Right. That 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 I would not have even noticed this back in the day. So why am I worrying about it now? Right. Like my only well, client is myself, and that and that's that is the irony, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of our favorite photographs, and we've talked about them many times, but some of our favorite photographs are way less than tack sharp. Right. Absolutely. Both our own and other people's. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. And and you look at some of the most iconic photographs in history, not tack yeah, sharp. Right. Right. 
Now, if you were working for a commercial client and you were shooting a billboard that they needed to be tax sharp, well, then yes, that is it. You know, somebody was saying something about how, and this is just like a, a that that politically different parties, you know, like people in different parties uh, rank different things differently. So I don't know, well, tax relief or the environment or whatever it is, right? And these things go up and down on your list depending on what the economy is like and what your political stuff is. And it's interesting in the same way for Martin Parr, it's not about absolute perfection in technical stuff. It's about the composition and the feel in the moment sure. for sure. a guy who's a still life photographer who's shooting a, a, a you know, a wine bottle for a, a liquor bottle. If you're yeah. Carl Taylor doing a liquor bottle for somebody, it's got to be perfect because that's the whole name of the game that goes, right. that jumps right, up right, to right. number one. Um, and it, yeah, you, I mean, and we all play with these things, right? We, we jump up and down and they move around the list depending on what's important to us in the moment. But, but is, is the advance, I guess this is one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is, is the advance in, in technical perfection taking away the ability of the photographer or is it, is it making it too easy? You know, you, you I mean, look at, we've talked about Neil Leifer. For so example. Hold, on a second, hold on a second. Now you're arguing that, 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 that you, it's too easy to be Martin Parr because of the camera. No, 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 okay. no, not at all. Not at all. All right. What are you saying? Uh, for, for specific types of, let's say sports photography okay, sure. or, you know, cause one of the things that, that this a nine has been 700 frames for, a second or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 20 frames a second <laughs> raw. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and it could, that's great. And the buffer's like 160 frames or something, right? So something like yeah, that. Yeah, you could shoot right? for five so, seconds straight. And yeah, I mean, if you're shooting football, you know, yeah. you could you could literally start shooting at the snap and keep shooting until the ball is no longer in play. Right, right, right. And you know, if you look at at somebody like Neil Leifer or one of my favorites growing up, John Iacono, where they had to anticipate what was going to happen. Right. Right. They had to, to, you know, know the game, know the subject matter, know their angles, know their focal lengths, know their focal distances and, and be able to anticipate. And, and some of that anticipation or some of that, that skill seems to be going by the wayside yeah, as these things get faster and better, faster, better. But what, but were those, was that knowledge and those skills just a requirement due to the fact that they had to know those things in order to get the shot? You don't have to know those things in order to get the shot anymore. So are they no longer important in the same way that, you know, I, I, I knew exactly how much torque to turn on the, the thing to get my car started in 1923. Right. Kids today don't even know how to turn a key. They just press a button you right. know, is it, is it, is it still required knowledge or is and that's, that, that's what I don't know. I, I, that's what I don't know. Yeah. And I'd love to talk to, I, you know, I, I think there's some people about, I it. think that there's something mm-hmm. changes when you look at the Neil Leifer shot, the one of the, 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 Oh God, one of my favorite photographs of all time, I think, right. The, 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 the Ali Sonny Liston thing, right. Oh, actually I was, or, or are I you was talking about the overhead top down? Yeah. The, the overhead yeah, yeah. one of another terrific shot, right. A nearly perfect photograph. Right. Um, Right now, if 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 you can just pop a drone up there and do it, versus him climbing along rigging to have it set up under a cable remote control down to the ground or whatever, however he actually did that, maybe he was up there. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I think there's a certain. It, it, I think it changes the, the, the technique and the equipment you use and, and the knowledge required changes a little bit in the sense that 
it gives you more respect for them having got the shot, right? Because yes. Um, so I guess the question is: Is photography overall <laughs> too easy becoming less of an art, less of a craft, less of a craft? With perhaps, although you know the Neil Leifer also didn't know how didn't have to know how to use Photoshop, right? And that's a craft right. into itself. So sure, sure. So I think the craft shifts over time, yeah. you know, further down the line. I mean, you know, people, uh, you know, to your point about the A9, people are talking about it as if it's, you know, God's gift to cameras and stuff. And it right. looks like as a really it, nice camera. As if camera. you couldn't have taken a good picture before this camera well, came that's out. What that's kind of the way it's think. being presented. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I looked at that camera and the specs and read the, you know, uh, hands-on first look reviews of it. And there's nothing about that camera that is what I want in a camera. Right. You know, it's 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 smaller. I'm like, I don't really care about that. It's 24 megapixels. I'm like, well, I don't need that. It does 20 frames a second. I'm like, I'd shoot two frames a second, maybe, like at my fastest, you know. So, again, it all comes down to what you're looking for in your camera. Uh, by the mm-hmm. way, I will say that I found it interesting that apparently they over doubled the size of the battery in the new one. <laughs> Probably yeah, it's, per it's complaints of big. the A7 just yeah, sucking yeah. battery, you know. And and look, no disrespect to people who are buying it, but, you know, there are people that use the, the A7 that get amazing shots out of it. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly your A7, you were just getting by. And now this is, that's, that's, the, that's the part where I, whenever the new thing comes out, it's, it's as if the old thing you know, is now no longer worth beans. Yeah, why do you think I use a three-year-old camera now? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's the right tool for the right job. Um, always has been, always will be. Sure. You know, um, yeah, it's weird. Hey, what is the self-calibration thing in here? I remember we talked about it during the... I don't remember. I thought you put that in there. It was one of the questions in the q and I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. Let's go to the next All right, one. Go to the next thing and I'll figure it out. So uh, uh, another listener, piece of listener feedback. And, and you guys, we love this. So Twitter, Bill Wadman, Jeffrey Sidoris, or podcasted on taking pictures. Feedback. We love it. Questions, comments, show ideas, topic, you know, discussion topics, that kind of thing. Keep them coming. Anyway, so this one's from Mike Beecham. And uh, Mike writes, hey, guys, have either of you any experience of coming to the end of a project and where to go next. So trying to decide where to go after you finish something, probably something big, I would imagine he's referring to. Yeah. Um, your 365 project sure. or uh, a, a big photo campaign yeah, or, or finishing uh, you know, your book kind of or thing. whatever. Yeah. Finishing my book, which almost done. <laughs> I'm very excited. I think I only have six pictures left. And then it's ready to proofread and... Uh, obsess you know. over. No, no, I'm not going to obsess <laughs> over. <clears throat> Just going to get it out in the world. You heard it You heard it here, guys. Print as well as uh, uh, PDF and probably iBooks. So. <laughs> um, exciting. So how, how do you get to that? What do you... How, if you come off of a big project, do you want to do something small or does, a, does doing a big project wet your appetite to do something else big. I think that big projects tend, in my experience, big projects have made me want to do another big project. However, mm-hmm. I caution against jumping into another big project. 
Right. I, I think that there is a time period after which you finish something big where you you're going to feel like you're drifting and sure that's okay that's part of the process sure um i i think that it's the same it's similar to you know i i worked this job for 10 years and they just let me go and now what do i do and it's like well you'll figure something out but don't put it all on the fact that you have to figure it out today because you know you you I find that people put a little too much pressure on themselves when they finish one thing and they immediately want to jump into the next. I mean, if you have a great idea, go for it. But in my experience, it takes a little while for that thing to to sort of bubble up, uh, as it were. Right. And you need right. downtime just to mentally straighten out again. Uh, I remember... Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to do three tours back to back. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, I remember, uh, I guess it was 10 years ago, uh, when I finished my first portrait series that the the january 1st which was the day after the last day i was like wait shouldn't i be shooting today like it was you know like my legs were still running even though i had stopped um what was the time frame again between 365 and drabbles uh the drabble stuff i started in late 2008 yeah late 2008 so nine ten months Mm -hmm. so it wasn't Mm -hmm. immediate you know, right. And even right. then, I mean, I did what 36 drabbles and then I think I, yeah, I think I did like 40 something of those, but the first 30 something were one a day for a month and a half. Um, and, and then, you know, and, but then in the middle of the drabble stuff, I shot those motion pictures, which ended up getting, have gotten way more press than anything else I've ever done. And those right. were just fun little things that I was doing in between doing the Drabbles ones or whatever, right? I mean, that's and that's the thing. You can't predict what is going to catch on, what's going to catch your strike your fancy. The reason I ended up doing the Drabbles things is because I was up in Connecticut at my mother's house. She was going to sell my father's 63 Chevy convertible Impala and Chevy Impala convertible. I guess that's a better way to right. say it. Right. Um, this was the one with Heather in the back. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and I was like, well, you know what? We have this camera. Do you have anything on you you could wear? And she's like, well, I have a black dress from work yesterday. I was like, all right, go put that on. And I set up a couple of speed lights and I took that picture. And I liked the right. look so much that I was like, oh, I want to do a whole series of those. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for a new series. I wasn't thinking that's what I was going to do when I started. And I, I found over the years that for me, I can't just mentally think about what I'm going to do next, come up with the whole plan and then execute. It has to be, Oh, I'm just messing around and I stumble upon something that, that makes me go, Oh wow. That door just opened. Let's go that direction. Right. Right. And I think that some people either, either try to force themselves and just, you know, they, instead of look, instead of waiting for a door to open, they try to run through a wall, you know? Right. Right. (laughs) Um, and and see, I I would love to do another book. I'll t- I'll tell you right now, I'd love to. Do yeah, already right you have an idea. One. Well, what I I would love to work with other people. Like I would love to do like design and layout f- for other artists, other photographers to do their books. Right. I'd love to do more collaboration because this one, I mean, I wrote it, I photographed it, I did all the the diagrams and drawings, all the layout. You know, it, it was just too much. Sure. It was a, it was a lot to do. Um, but if, if someone else had 
you know, a body of work and wanted to collaborate on, on layout or, or, you know, how to, how to package and produce it. That's something that I would, I think would be really interesting because I, I like the process of it. I just don't like having, or I'd like to take a break from having everything be on my shoulders. Sure. Yeah. Although would you be able to let go of that kind of control? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's, you know, you find, you find the right person or people to work with and it's, you know, you've got to let the project be the king, right? The project needs to, to, to go where it needs to go. Sure. And, and that means making concessions on both sides yeah. on, on, you know, the selection process of what photos or paintings or whatever to include. And then how does it want to be laid out? Knowing all the while that once you see it, you're going to go, man, I really wish I would have tried this or I could have done this differently. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, it, but also realizing it, it, that that right there is part of every process. Absolutely. It's it, all of this is an exercise in good enough. Yep. Right. And that, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to learn is, is one of the things anyway, is, is how, how, how good does good have to be? Right. Yeah. So how good does good have to be? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Mike. I hope that helps. Uh, what do you, you got anything else? So I, well, I found the, uh, I found the, oh, I also, you know, I made a book of my first 365. I made a book of my trip to Japan. I made a right. few books, personal books and books for other people, you know, for the, for the public. Um, I found that that was useful, but I didn't do most of those until fairly long after I finished. Right. Cause mm-hmm, you know, you mm-hmm. gotta let it settle a little bit and you go, Okay, now let's go clean up that mess that I made. And that's right. kind of what it feels like. It always reminds me of the that scene in Pollock where you know, he's up all night and he smashes the wall and he stares at the thing for days and days and days and then right, paints overnight. Right. And then uh uh what's her name? Marsha Gray Harden finds him in the bathroom just like sitting on yeah, the he's toilet. Yeah, sitting there on the toilet head in <laughs> yeah, hand. Yeah. With, like like paint uh, all over him. Yeah, I mean, what a metaphor, right? right? Like, oh, what a release right. this was, and, you and, know. And that that is exactly i mean i'm not hyping myself up but like that's that's a very good uh, way of putting the feeling where it's like okay that was fantastic but i just made a giant mess and i can't right. clean it up immediately after i make it like put yeah. put the creative dishes in the sink <laughs> you know yeah they'll, they'll yeah. wait till later um yeah. i don't know uh that was funny that was a good one um so yeah. So anyway, just uh, don't don't stress out about it. I think so. I think I found uh, the the question that led to the other thing. Oh, the calibration thing. Yeah, it's the Adam Binslev one. Uh, we'll go over this one more time. I know we talked about it the other day, but I'll just read it for Jeffrey and I. Yeah, sure. Uh, yep. This is driving me crazy to the point where I just might quit. Uh, it has been increasing in the last couple of years now. Reach a tipping point. I might do. Uh, uh, let's see anything from 30 to 120 exposure. Sometimes review some of them in the back of the camera. Uh, yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. Here we go. He says, uh, maybe it's a low self esteem, but when I get an email, wow, I think they stink. You may have overlooked something I could actually use. Okay. I'm sick and tired of not trusting my judgment. Is it me? Is book of the same? Uh, I think the whole idea just comes down to basically knowing that you have what you, what you want, like, basically trusting yourself right and knowing that you t- you take some pictures you walk away you think you have it you question yourself later wow maybe i have nothing right 
Mm-hmm. And maybe you did get it. In the moment you feel like you get it, maybe afterwards you feel like you get it. Somebody else says you didn't get it. And then you're questioning yourself, well, maybe I didn't get it because that person doesn't, you know, do they know better than I do? You know, trying right. to understand where you fit into the questions of, of how other people see your work is a very, very dangerous thing. I had a... yeah. I just, where do I belong? Right. Where do I fit in this whole I thing? I had a situation recently where I took what I thought was a good photograph of one of my subjects. And uh, and I, I was like flipping through the camera towards the end of the session. And I was like, oh, that's a nice one. I said, see, look, look, look how great you look. And the person said, oh, God, no, not that one. Put, it, put an X through that one. No. Oh, whew. that's a terrible picture. And walked away. Was it Gary Yost? No. Was it Gary? It wasn't was Gary. It, was it Tabitha Soren? It was Tabitha, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to say who it was. Oh, you just did. He just gave it away. Look at that. I can play you like a fiddle one. Maybe it was Gary. Bum, bum, bum. Actually, I like the pictures Gary. of Gary. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, there are people who there are people who are like that, right? And, and, yeah. Yeah. and then you go, God, wait, this is... Yeah, what did I see that he or she didn't or vice versa? Right. And then, and then you yeah. start kind of going, wait a minute. I, I, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for a decade. Like this person with one sentence makes me question a decade's worth of work or right. skill or progress or right. insight or wisdom or insert. Well, insert this is, this is something that's, that's almost core to this show, right? Yeah. Is it's, it's the idea of <laughs> this whole show is about, you know, <laughs> the hammer learning that it's a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and not, it doesn't, it, it doesn't need to be a screwdriver. It doesn't need to be a chisel. It's a hammer. Yeah. And that's, that's where kind of we struggle is what am I, where do I fit? What am I, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path? Am I saying what I need to, or want to say, or am capable of saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, do you think everyone has so much self doubt? Or do you think the people who act like they don't have self doubt have even more self-doubt and it's just a coping mechanism. Hmm. That's a, I think that's another show, but, but <laughs> when the, you the say short another show, you mean a whole other show, another episode. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're going to start a new, a new show today, right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, 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 yeah, I think we all do. I think we all have doubts. I think we all have, 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 coping mechanisms on how to deal with those things and how, how comfortable more than others. Yes. I think so. And, 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 and and some people allow it to be more visible than others. I mean, you and I by and large are pretty transparent about the stuff that we go through. Dangerously. So right. (laughs) Listeners are shaking their heads right now. They're nodding and going, yes, I'm taking pictures. Dangerously transparent, right? Danger zone. (laughs) Uh, but it, but but I think that's part of what makes uh, the community around this show as good as it is. I think that's part of what makes uh, the, the 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 listeners tune in. Yep. Is because there's there's something that resonates. There's something that 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 I can listen. I listen back to this show and I go, yeah, I get that. But then I go, oh yeah, that's Bill and I talking about it. Yeah, okay. But some of the some of the topics and like, some, hey, of the, some of the some of the yeah. Hey, look at me. Some of the things that we that we have talked about over and over again, the reason that we keep talking about them over and over again is because they are universal. And it and at 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 any point on the continuum that is your life, you are going to be 
at varying degrees of in or out of that struggle. Yeah. I think quality insight comes from transparency, right? That, Absolutely. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Sure. You have to be able to admit not only that you're wrong, but that your whole worldview is not as opaque as you want it to be. Because I, 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 I mean, you got to question everything all the time, but I think that part of what that question in the whole topic is about is the idea that sometimes it feels too transparent and then you have no sense. It's, you know, it's life is like a seesaw, right? Where you got to stand in the middle so that neither end touches the ground. And in one mm. end is your own sense of yourself, right? Which can't be so rock hard that it is incapable of change because change is progressive and that's how you get better, right? So you have to be constantly questioning yourself at some level. But but at the other end of the, of the scale is someone who has no idea who they are and are constantly listening to everyone around them who's telling them, uh, oh God, you know, your work's amazing or your work's terrible or whatever. And then you have you have no internal sense of, of navigation, right? No internal GPS. Right. And then you're constantly at the whim of the people around you and what they say to you. And that's an equally dangerous place to being so structured that you that you can't change. So it's like trying to find the place in between the two where you're kind of balancing. And, you know, as with all balancing, you're not just standing there in the middle. You're constantly adjusting, right, to, right. to stay right. in the and middle. And the entire seesaw is sort of, yeah, you tipping know, on, and on right, molten right. ground. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. so, and some people are better than that at others, right? Some people have better balance than others. I think some people have a better emotional balance or, or self-worth balance or... Uh, sure. And even those things change at, at different stages in your life. Course. You may yeah. be better equipped yeah. or, or, or not as, as, as well I was reading, to deal with I was reading things. an article this morning that was ba basically <clears throat> a big ad for her book. But uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who's the COO at Facebook or whatever, right, who right. Uh, somewhat famously lost, lost her husband, I don't know, a few years ago, three, four years ago. Or her husband died suddenly of a heart attack and... She wrote this big Facebook post and a whole book about it and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, but one of the sort of elements of it was this idea that suddenly everything comes into question, right? When something like that happens. And it's just an example sure. of what you're talking about, right? Where massive change happens and all these things that you assumed were not just reality, but unchangeable suddenly change. Um, I was having, I was having, <laughs> I was having one of those moments last night when I was uh, getting into bed and Conrad had already long fallen asleep, but, but, you know, and I, 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 as I'm getting to bed, I was just like, man, I love you, you know, and she was asleep. She didn't hear me, but, but there's this moment of like, wow, this is, this is here right now. Things are good. Things won't always be good. I need to appreciate it while I'm here, you know, uh, at the last minute. Sure. Or even in that moment when you can realize that you need to appreciate. Exactly. It. Right. Right. So it's sort of like I, I was presaging the time when I would miss these good times, and sure, <laughs> you know, um, and I mean, and that that happens every once in a while, right? But that's like this big constant thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's 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 a difficult thing. I think that everyone has their own answers to it. I think it gets a little. 
arguably easier as you get older because you re- you you've been through more of the ups and downs and you realize that there are a lot of people who are full of crap, right? That maybe, but it, I mean, it, for me, it sometimes works the other way where I look back on, you know, 48 years. Well, uh, yeah, you were famously go, cocky in college, right? That's like, well, well, not, not just that, but I look back on that and go, why haven't I gotten this yet? <laughs> I've been, I've been at this for almost half a century. Why am I still struggling with X? Why do I still not get Y? Yeah, but in some ways, couldn't it be that X is unknowable? Maybe. I hope so. And maybe you're... I mean, that's, that's kind of the, 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 that's the, the, working the salve, theory. right? That's the healing... Yeah, that's the healing salve on this open wound of doubt, right? <laughs> the, that, that, that maybe you just can't know it, <laughs> so I don't have to feel like such a schmuck for not knowing it. Right, right, right. right? right. Whatever it is. Oh man, we are we are like full of titles today. <laughs> and now that's another title. Jesus. Right. <laughs> another zinger for the for the book. Um, um Yeah, I don't oh, God, well this is yeah, you're right. This is a whole other show, but Yeah. Uh, if you've got feedback or or uh, chime in, please. Uh podcast it on takingpictures.com. Uh you can also uh, find the the Google Plus group at bit.ly slash otp group there you go yeah is that right OTP. yeah uh, sounds about right is it case sensitive i don't know if it's case sensitive if it is the o the t the p and the g are capital oh, god it's, no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well you made it i don't I, think i, I made you that made link. it did yeah. i really <laughs> yeah yeah, well, it's my fault. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Um, so I'm out in 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 the San Fran, right? And uh, I was going to meet up with a listener. Do you remember we um, we we talked about the whole thing in the Taco Bell? Remember the the pictures in the Taco Bell? Yes, and yes. A girl named yeah. Katie that that they they wanted to use them for free on their social media, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly right. So that was a a, a girl named Katie. And uh, Katie uh, was, was is in San Francisco, so you know she and I. She's like, "Oh, I'm going to be in San Francisco." You know, I, I live out in San Francisco. Like, let me know when you're out here. So we went back and forth. And when I got into town, I said, "Oh, you know, hey, let let's hang out." And she goes, "You know, I would love to. Problem is, uh, somebody broke into my car and stole my camera last night. Oh wow! And my laptop. Oh wow! So basically everything, right?" And apparently out there in San Francisco at the moment, this is a very common occurrence, which, hmm. which I was unaware of. Um, I was at a dinner party later that week that said that there are something like 77 on average reported smash and grabs in San Francisco that are reported by the, the cops. And then everyone at the table basically said, oh, that happened to me and I just didn't report it because it's not worth it. Apparently the government wow. made it uh, switched it from a felony to a misdemeanor a few years ago as not to punish poverty. Cause that's what was, you know, I mean, it was like poor people mm-hmm. doing this, uh, state level or fed level. Uh, I think state or even city. I, hmm. I forget exactly what they were saying, but basically it made it so that it wasn't even worth reporting. Cause it's not going to do any good anyway. Right. Right. Um, right. 
and that a lot of people just leave their car doors open and they're, they leave their their uh, uh, a glove box. Isn't it funny we still call it a glove box? <laughs> like that's right, where you keep right. your, glo- your driving gloves. Right. <laughs> Bill, let's go for a drive. Fetch my gloves, won't you? Is it called anything but a glove box? Glove compartment, but still glove is typically in the, in the right. title, I think. Isn't that funny? Never thought about that. Anyway, uh, apparently a lot of people just leave their glove boxes open to show that there's nothing in them. So somebody looking through the window, you know. And then right. somebody said they had a friend who left their doors open just for this. So the people would go in there and rifle through and wouldn't find anything. And apparently the people still smash the windows to get into the car that the doors are open. That very thing, hand to God, happened to me uh, when I lived in Hollywood. <sighs> I lived uh, behind Sunset Gower Studios. I had a 74 BMW 2002. Right. Um, I was working at the good guys at the time. So I, I, I did the whole like stereo, but it was, it, it was, it, it could just slide out of the center console, right, right. right? Left the doors unlocked. They still broke the window. They broke the blinker <laughs> off and destroyed the dash to try and get the thing out when all they had to do was unplug it from the back and pull it out. <laughs> Obviously, somebody didn't know what they were doing, right? Like, I mean, across the board. Right. Um, Yeah. Damn kids. Anyway, uh, it just got me thinking. So, in the end, I ended up meeting up with Katie uh, later in the week. Uh, She went out of town. Was was her gear insured, by the way? No. No. And and, and so, a number of things I wanted to bring up here. One. Yep. uh, Back up your stuff or use an offline backup service so that... You know, at the very least, if you have a laptop, you know, if it's a Mac, turn on Time Machine, plug a drive in it once a week, go buy Backblaze or some similar kind of thing. Spend $5 a month to have all your stuff sent up to the cloud so it's somewhere else. Um, uh, Because, you know, you could lose your laptop and maybe you lose the last month or two of what you shot because that's all, that's the only place it was, you know. Can I play devil's advocate for just a second? If this is such a widespread why issue stuff in, the in car? San Francisco, yeah, why leave yeah, your stuff in the car? I don't even think she if, was if actually. You know that this is yeah, a huge issue. She, she, I think she was actually out in the middle of nowhere in Oakland. But, but anyway, mm. long story short, um, you know, it is this interesting situation where your stuff gets stolen, uh, and 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 now you have to recreate what you had before. And luckily, in 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 her case. She shot with a, a Mark III, and she the the morning we met up, she had just bought a new one, uh, and she only shoots with one lens, a thirty-five one four. So she has to go buy find find one of those, a used one theoretically, uh, and a new laptop mm-hmm. and stuff. But I guess have you ever had stuff stolen, and how do you think about it? Well, it's a violation. I mean, it feels like you know, it feels like a violation. It feels like you know, you don't want strangers rifling through your stuff. Right, 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 right. I, I heard it happening when, when talking about my really? car. I was in my apartment and I heard it happening, but I'm not going to go out and risk getting beaten up, stabbed, or shot over you know a Pioneer head. Right, 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 right. If it was an Alpine or a Blaupunkt. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> then, then, then we're, we're going to the mattresses, <laughs> right? Uh, no, it, it, you know, it, it, it sucks having things stolen. I mean, I've had, I've had uh, a wallet stolen. I've had you know, a couple things, and it's... Yeah, you, you, and then you, you, you second guess. You feel like an idiot. You go, oh, wow, why did I do this? I should have done this. Could have, would have, should have. Right, 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 um, it, it, But, you know, it's also, it's, in some ways, it's an opportunity, right, to sort of start fresh. 
you know, in, in, in yeah, well, an unintentional, an unrequested exactly. opportunity, right, 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 <laughs> unsolicited, sure, rather, of course, opportunity. yeah, yeah, but but an opportunity to say, all right, what is it that I really care about? Do I need that, you know, that exact body and lens, or is it oh that focal length? Well, I could get the cheaper, lighter one, and and that'll be fine because I never shoot at one point four anyway, or whatever the thing is, right? Um, uh, and, and it just, it, I don't know. It just, it just got me thinking of the whole idea of stealing stuff. Now, like I currently have insurance on my stuff. So I guess if it got stolen, I could spend whatever $500 on the deductible and, and, and get a bunch of cash to just go buy it again. Um, or go buy the Fuji. Mm. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I probably would still buy the Pentax. Um, just because of the, well, for a number of reasons, including the, the availability of lenses. Because there's more than sure. two lenses available for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, same with the Hasselblad, right? It's got like two lenses available. People are crazy buying these systems that who knows if they're even going to be here a year from now. Um, anyway, I just I just thought it was really sad. I also thought it would it, that is a good case for assuming not somebody who's just like, oh my God, I left my bag on the subway and I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Right. But like somebody who had really had hard times go on them. I, I remember years ago reading about uh, a guy, oh God, what was his name? There was a, an attorney who was on the well. Do you remember the well? So Yes. Okay, so this, for those of you who don't know, this was this- The whole earth electronic yeah. something- it was this was a uh, early sort that, of no, that was something else, but, form of yeah. email messaging. Imagine a Slack channel in 1995, um, something along those lines, right? Where it's like this online community that was very close knit uh, early in the days of the public internet, and the, the the people on it ended up becoming very close from having these like deep conversations and things. And I remember, uh, I remember, you know, it might be Godwin. You know the the guy who did Godwin's Law, right? Uh, uh, anyway, he he wrote uh, he he was he was moving across the country, and he sold he he all of his stuff went into a big truck and he shipped it across the country. It was all of his books, and this guy was like a serious you know writer reader guy. He shipped everything across the country, and halfway across the country, the uh, truck caught fire and his entire library burned, just by terrible chance, right? And he wrote about it on the well. And somebody said, well, what books did you lose? And he started making a list. And he started getting in the mail copies of all of these books from people who had other right. copies or found them at bookstores or what have you, right? And I was just thinking that, that that kind of community thing is really fascinating from the point of view of somebody who got all their stuff stolen. It's like, you know what? Let's all pitch in 20 bucks and get such and such up and running again you know like, like yeah or or somebody who's going you know what i'm going to upgrade this 5d mark ii i can send it to you if you want exactly you know it's not the greatest but it'll get you up and exactly running. yeah and i mean there's been yeah. a few examples of that where listeners of ours have helped you and i yeah with, absolutely you know sending us old film cameras or or letting us borrow uh phones and you know what i mean like we, we've had people help yep. us out and thank you everyone who's done those things over the years but I just, I just think that, that that part of the community, I, I don't want people to be scared to broach those subjects, even in the Google Plus group. Like if, if things go down or people are in a, a real bad shape, that like that's what having a community is about, you know? And right. I don't know. I just thought it was uh, a, an interesting thought. Um, what else we got? 
We're about an hour in. New uh, new photo documentary. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Gary Yost, friend of the show, Gary Yost, uh, yep. who I saw while I was out there. And man, I love Gary Yost. Um, sent this over to me the other day, and I immediately went in to put it in there, and you had already put it in there. <laughs> yeah. Funny. All right, yeah. so tell us about it. It looks like it's going to be great. Uh, so it's an, a new Errol Morris documentary. We we are both big fans of Errol yep. Morris. Um, I actually... I, I sent him a tweet. Uh, maybe we can find somebody else to, to contact, but to see if we could get a, a screener or something of it to, to give it a watch and then talk about it on the show. Sure. Um, but it's a, a, a documentary on, on Elsa Dorfman, um, who uh, basically dedicated her life to photography when, when at, a, at a time when there weren't a lot of famous women photographers or women photographers at all really um is that fair yeah, to say that's that's well certainly not at the level that she was doing i mean she was certainly a pioneer or exactly yeah exactly and she used uh and you've heard us talk about this before she used that giant 20 by 24 uh polaroid that uh, oh gosh chuck close has used it uh you know it, just a monster of a camera yeah um so it, it looks like a really cool documentary and and she just seems like a charming person. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, uh, a real character, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, if Errol Morris wants to do a thing about her, she's got to be a certain level of, you know, uh, interesting. Um, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's coming out uh, June 2nd. And I do believe right. that it's, it might be one of those that's going to be available online at the same time. Like a simultaneous yeah. release of all media. When it comes to, when it comes to yeah. you know, documentaries that 100,000 people are going to want to watch, I think that's a perfectly reasonable way of doing it. Um, oh, sure. Uh, I know. And, and I think it's becoming more and more uh, 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 not agreeable, but you know what I mean? Like more and more of a common thing. Uh, right. You know, one of the things that, that, that looks interesting about this film is she wasn't <clears throat> just concerned with celebrity culture photographing the famous she photographed everyone yeah. she just loved that that connection that 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 time together both in front of and behind and the that camera and that big was... giant uh cameras has has a character all its own it's funny oh it's, sure you know the in the um imdb thing it says you know cinematographer producer blah 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 cast elsa dorfman and you go no cast elsa dorfman and polaroid 20 by 24 inch camera right right right, right. It, it needs its own <laughs> yeah, credit. it really does right <laughs> just kind of funny i'm uh, i'm excited uh, i'm looking yeah, forward to it looks like a good film yeah. so check the show notes those of you who who don't check the show notes or are, are unaware that we have show notes look at the show notes there's all yeah, kinds I mean, of links if, if you're listening to the podcast and a podcast reader you can see the show notes uh, should be right there uh in the in the in the in the uh description hey you know what else uh when i was uh, i went to sf momo while i was out there which by the way is really expensive um yeah Yes. And beautiful building, but yeah. it's expensive. Uh, and they had not only a, a Dean Arbus exhibit, which I think is the same one that I saw uh, with a bunch of listeners at the Met a while back. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also had a Larry Sultan exhibit. Did we ever use him as our photographer oh. of the week? I think we did, didn't we? I think so. I shot think all he the was pictures of, the of his ones. of his family. Yep. <clears throat> keep keep going. I'll I'll uh, I'll look. Uh, but uh, pretty big prints. I mean, like. Uh, you know, a good 40 by 60 inch print, some of them 
and uh, hmm. really nice. Although, you know, it's like interesting when you get up to them, you go, oh, yeah, okay, so that's medium format because this isn't doesn't look as good as 4x5 would look, but it looks better than 35 would look. I'd say, by, based on the ratio, this was 6-7, probably Mamiya, right? You know, it's funny how right. you can sort of break uh, it down. Larry Sultan, Photographer of the Week, episode 167 from July of 2015. Uh, yeah, so if you're in the San Francisco area, I would uh, definitely recommend going to see that show because it's really, really great. Um, and and was uh, very interesting. Again, another one of those examples of going to see something in person is very different than than looking at the pictures online, especially when they're large, big, giant prints, you know, uh, in that way. Isn't there a pen show coming or is it there is a pen show coming to the Met? I think today, yesterday is the either the opening day or member previews. Um, And is it the same one that we saw at the portrait gallery? So or is it a different? So this is the interesting thing. I did some research in this because when it showed up, I was like, oh, is that the same thing? And apparently it's not. Apparently the pen foundation gave uh, a set of prints to the National Portrait Gallery, to the Met, to the, say, Art Institute, and maybe LACMA or something like that, right? Some sort of Mm -hmm. thing across the country. And that all of them are doing their own little exhibitions, which include prints that they were given plus prints they already had in their collection. So from what I understand, Hmm. I mean, granted, a lot of the same stuff will probably be in there. uh, But uh, I'm going to go see it. Just If anything, just to go see how differently you can set up a similar show, right? With similar prints, you know, de- the right. spacing, the size of the prints, the, you know, the, t- the labels, um, and who can get enough Irving Penn, honestly. I mean, like, sure. You can, you can never get enough Irving Penn. No one can ever get enough right, Irving right. Penn. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, in fact, I was thinking about doing like a little, uh, get together, going to see that guy. Cause I think that could be fun here in New York. So if anybody's interested, uh, send me an email. Um, that would be fun. Uh, give me enough lead time and, and maybe I can come up and attend with you. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll be your plus one, Bill. Uh, actually, I could do that. I'm a member of the Met. <laughs> um, so you say that this is true of Panasonic too, but I hadn't heard of this up until recently. Apparently, Canon is going to offer adding C-Log, which is the Canon version of S-Log, which is basically just a very, very flat camera profile uh for video mm-hmm. use so that you can grade later so it's going to look really flat and non-contrasty but it'll keep all the shadow and highlight detail so that you can then crunch it up later um they'll they'll add the c-log to the 5d mark IV for 99 dollars software upgrade and you said so yeah. panasonic does the same thing Panasonic does the same thing with the GH5, to my understanding, to get uh, V-Log. It's, I think it's $99. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about that? I think it's dumb. Okay. It, I think it's ridiculous. Give me- you're, you're, you're paying, well, I mean, with, with, with the Mark IV, you're paying, what, $3,700, 3600 yeah, 3, 3, 3, 3, yeah. They can't suck up the $99 license fee when you're paying almost $4,000 for a camera? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just seems nickel dimey, you know. And the same thing with with Panasonic. You know, you guys are are releasing this thing as your flagship video hybrid micro four thirds. You know, whatever your the, the the taglines are that you're using, but you're releasing this as the the flagship camera in the line. It's the most expensive camera in that particular line. 
but you're still going to charge another hundred bucks to, to really unlock the features that you're touting that make it great. Right. Or that make it better right, or something. Right, right, right. I don't know. I just, it feels kind of weird. It is a strange thing when the only difference between two products is a little soft, is software that goes on there. And I, and I know mm-hmm. I'm being dismissive of software. What, what bothers me isn't, oh, you know, our engine, it, 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 it spent, it cost us a lot of money to have our software engineers design this new X, right? Like these new features for this OS, for this piece of hardware you already have. So we're going to charge you for that because, you know, that's one thing. Taking something that already exists and selling cut down versions of it that basically just turn off with switches stuff that is in the higher end ones. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like when, when this happens, well, it'll be like three different sure. cameras and the bottom of the line one is identical to the top of the line one just with things turned off in software. And it's like, okay, that's just artificially crippling something for no good reason. You know? Seems like it. Um, I mean, I'm sure somebody will come back and have you know, a, a, a very viable reason for it. But as, as the, the end user, it just feels a little nickel dime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Although if you're a Canon shooter and you want to shoot, uh, uh, you know, video a lot, you know, you know what's a hundred dollars if it's going to give you this thing, right? I, I don't want to automatically discount the fact that software is worth something because apps are worth something. You know what I mean? And, and, and sure that time is worth something. It just, this feels a little bit like, Oh, this is a feature they were going to put in there. And then some marketing person said, Hey, you know what? If you just hold that off, most people aren't going to want it and they're not going to notice it going anyway. And the 10% of people who do want it, we can make an extra hundred bucks off them. That's what that feels like to me. Like a marketing move, not an engineering move. Agreed. Um, but then again, I'm, I always think that the marketing people are screwing things up. Because they probably are. <laughs> now, explain this to me. I am on Panasonic's website. Okay. Here, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give me, give me a link. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a link because you're gonna you're gonna have something to say about this. All right. So click that link. <sighs> okay. All right. Now Oops. I want you to look directly below the price. This is the this is vlog <laughs> for the Panasonic GH5. <laughs> Okay, so what Bill is laughing at is the fact that this software, the firmware upgrade for the GH5, is on back order. Are they selling? Are they selling you an SD card with the firmware on it? They must be, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't, it. It just seems odd that software is back ordered. Okay, SD, No, no, no. Because it says SD card not included. Yeah, so it's a download. So the, download, the download is on backward. Order? Is this not for sale yet? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. People have it. People are already talking about it. I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. But would wouldn't that read not yet available? Oh, I mean, that's or weird. pre-order or yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of which, uh, all of these sort of flat profiles, right? I mean, they're all same, basically the same kind of thing. Um, I used to, I had one on my 5D that you can download these flat profiles and put them on. You know what I mean? Like assuming you don't need a yeah, very they may specific not be the, one. The official, yeah, log, but they are flat. Yeah, profiles. exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. And if you're just shooting for you anyway, and you're not trying to match to somebody else's exact same thing, then what difference does it make? You know? Um, yeah. I just thought it was no. Kind that of funny. is that is pretty valid. I'll put a link in the show notes so <laughs> other people can laugh at it too. 
Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You got you got anything else? Nah, not about that. I I, I just think it's kind of silly, especially when when uh, you know somebody like F- Fuji, for example, just released a massive firmware update to the the XT two um, and the X Pro two, and in the case of the XT two. Yes, there were bug fixes. Yes, there were performance enhancements. But it also added like 30 new features. Yeah. What are the new features, by the way? Um, I don't know because I don't own the camera. Useful but stuff? Cha- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bracketing things, uh, 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 different uh, uh, focus modes from what I understand. Okay. Um, you know what? Let me find it now that we're thinking about it. Fuji X-T2. But my, my point is that, you know, here's, uh, you know, a, a, a massive firmware update for free. Right. But this one license code to unlock this thing that's already in the camera, seemingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe I'm wrong about that. And if I am, please correct me. But it, it, it just seems kind of strange. Yeah, no, that's uh, kind of weird. I don't know. It's just, uh, hey, everybody's got their thing, right? The company's got company's going to be making money, right? Um, what else anyway, you got? I don't remember what this thing is. This YouTube thing does that? Did you put that in there? Uh, I don't think that I did. Although uh, I may have, but I don't think that I did. All right. Well, then let's, let's skip it. <laughs> we're we're free wheeling today. For. This is like <laughs> right. I don't know what that's for. <laughs> Uh, uh, you got anything else before we finish oh, I this think, whole thing I up? think what it was is... What is it? Uh, oh, this is a, It's all yeah, about you, YouTube changing how they're, how they're allowing ads to play or, or what, they're, what they're monetizing. Right, right, right. And th- uh, look, this is the problem with, with using somebody else's platform, period, or relying on somebody else's platform for, for to structure your whole life around because they can change things and you have no control over that. And that could totally screw you. Right. I mean, this is like the, the constant right. problem. Um, but at the same time, if, if the platform is where the people are, then you really have no choice. But, but I mean, this is another example of where, and, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, but there is a certain level of arrogance in the tech world, wherein they play very fast and loose with a lot of other people's lives you know, basically, they're there to disrupt stuff and make money, regardless of the damage it does to other people around them. Uh, sometimes that feels. Uh, give Give me an example. Um, I don't know that Google or or Facebook or whoever else really thinks about the fact that oh, we're going to make this change in in YouTube stuff uh, because it'll make us an extra point zero one percent or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know that they think about the fact that there are 10,000 people who do make a living doing something that relies on that algorithm in some way that are now going to get shut ah. off of half their audience. Well, but no, no, no. They're not getting shut off at their audience. And in, in this particular case, it's, they're not getting ad. Okay. Revenue. And that's, I think that's why I put right. this okay. in there is, is fair enough. Go ahead. They're saying that, you know, you're, you're saying we can't, we can't speak our mind. It's a first amendment oh, right. thing. And YouTube's coming back and saying, you can say whatever you but want, we won't put ads but on. we don't have to yeah, pay you right. for that. But at the same time, like if you're, you know, Procter and Gamble and you don't want to put Tide commercials on a, uh, uh, um, 
you know, on a neo-Nazi thing, like, shouldn't that be an option? You know? Sure. And I'm not saying that yeah. it shouldn't. But I think that the, the case that's being made, this one particular paragraph here, it's getting, uh, Ethan Klein says, it's getting so bad that you can't even speak your mind or be honest without fear of losing money and, and being not brand friendly, says Ethan Klein, the creator of H3H3. Uh, YouTube is on the fast track to becoming Disney vloggers, beautiful young people that wouldn't say anything controversial and are always happy, end right. quote. And, and while that might be true for the ad revenue, that's not true for what you can and can't produce. Right. It's just another, I think it's another iteration of a changing market, of a changing industry right. where, where they're realizing that YouTube being they are realizing that they can leverage more money, more advertising dollars uh, on this type of content as opposed to that type of content. Right. I just, and it doesn't run the risk of Procter and Gamble to your point, Procter and Gamble being thought of as a supporter of neo-Nazi ideology. Right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I just, I just think overall there is a, a, I mean, this is like a long-term trend and this is a whole other episode and this is Bill ranting in a way that Jeffrey sure. usually rants. But <laughs> Shoes on the other foot, people. But I do feel like the, the decimation and the, 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 the efficiency increases and all of the things that go along with trying to squeeze the last quarter penny out of every single transaction in order to create new businesses, right? Which often rely on people like myself who make stuff in order to survive, you know, the sort of the mm -hmm, Fiverr, mm -hmm. the, 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 I mean, stock photography business in some ways, the, sure. the, the, sure. the, what are, what are all the crazy, um, pre, pre Getty stuff? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then, and then in the same way that, that, um, uh, uh, like logo designs, you know what I mean? Like all these kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. things have been commoditized, purposefully commoditized to the point where, yes, it makes some company money, but everyone doing it loses, right? There are very few people who are sure. graphic designers who are like, man, this is great. The, the gig economy is great that I can make $15 yeah. to design a logo. Yeah, or five. As right, the case because there's the a guy case, in you know, Bangladesh who will do it for three fifty. And, right, and I, right. I feel like the 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 people who are who are doing who are architecting this disruption either don't care or don't see that in the process of squeezing out those pennies, you're also squeezing all of the humanity out of everything, and everything just mm -hmm. becomes this gross commodity, like it's is like it's wheat chaff or whatever it is by the ton. And it's like, guys, it's not all about money all the time. It's not all about right. And and that bothers me. Uh, and as somebody who was in advertising for years, was in music for years, has been in photography for, for years, like it, I've seen it from all sides. I've been the tech nerd who's tried to come up with the idea, and and it, it enriches a lot of people who aren't the people who actually make the car go. You know, and that. I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's untenable in the long term. Or at least mm -hmm. it's it's sort of like you're 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 starving you're starving your your horses when you need to run you know, you you, you have a stagecoach company and you're just starving your horses on bare minimum rations. And it's like eventually, dude, you're gonna push everyone out of this because no one can afford to make a living and no one will do it. 
And then, then where's your stock photography going to come from or whatever. Right. Um, sure. And, and then I feel like eventually robots will put all these people out of business and then they'll feel what it's like to have, uh, this done to them. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about lately. And when you're in San Francisco and it's all tech startup culture and, and sure. they're in a very, very small echo chamber where they think it's the center of the universe, it's, it's, it's enlightening. Even just to hear conversations of people around you and, and, and billboards and the news and all the rest of it in, the, in that kind of space. I mean, it's the same way that everyone in L.A. thinks they're in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that movies matter across the world. It's like, well, there's a lot of people who don't care about movies, you know? Um, anyway, just there's, there's my little rant. What's the, um, oh man, what's, what's the show about the startup Silicon yep. Valley? Go watch, go watch an episode of oh my God. Of that last episode of Silicon the first Valley. season still kills me every time. It's, it's pretty <laughs> funny in how spot on based on people that I've <laughs> yeah, talked yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like the best scene ever. I'm going to have to, can I put that right. in the show notes? Yeah, uh, sure. Okay. Um, anyway, rant over. I don't, I don't know what I mean by that. It's right. more of an emotional thing, but, and I don't have an well, answer, I, but it bothers that, me. I think that's, that's maybe there's an experiment in there for us to try over. Let's, let's talk about it offline. Maybe there's something in there that we can kind of test that theory. Okay. All right. I don't know. Um, thoughts podcasted on taking pictures. Yeah. Um, I guess, I, I guess that's it. You want to go to the group? I, I think we should. Uh, we, we didn't have an assignment last week. Sorry guys. Actually, I think girls. we did, we did have an assignment. We just didn't, uh, we did full and empty, but we just didn't look at full because we just gave the assignment like three hours before. Well, we didn't have, did we have an assignment for the, for the Q and a show or was oh, there I thought, not? I thought empty I don't think there was, was the one for the Q and a show. Let me, let me double check here. I could be wrong. Uh, oh am. yeah, you know you're right. You're right. No full. We we did not. No, have we did one full last for two fifty nine. So we must have done empty. I thought we were going to do empty, and people did empty. So yeah, we must have said it in the show. All right. All right. So there you go. Well, so let's let's look yeah. at some. Let's take a look. Matthew Stodden, how did you get? It's got to be a drone. Is that a plane? Is it a drone? He actually What's going on? Jumped up and climbed across the uh, the the rigging like Neil Leifer did. He's like one of those Russian kids. <laughs> what is wrong on with those Russian skyscrapers? Kids? Seriously, not <laughs> even know. kidding. What is wrong with those Russian kids? They're freaking crazy. No idea. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, I I would have wet myself long before six I got times to the top. over. Right, Bobby Ellis, nice slow shutter. Uh, very nice. Little memes, a beautiful picture um, of that tree in the in the volumetric lighting coming through the trees, coming through the sun. That's cool. Yep. Yep. Um, William Karsten's cool shot of the silhouettes in front of uh, that big tank. Look at that giant tank. Let me see. Okinawa Aquarium. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, man, there's some uh, really good stuff in here. Let me see. Benjamin. Uh, nice Mitch one. Sevier, cute. Uh, three assignments in one, yeah. full, empty, and diptych. Right. He's putting on a show there. Um, Waller, Mike Waller, um, empty airport runway in John Day, Oregon a week ago, just after a snowstorm. That's, I like the Waller one of the tree farm too. That's kind of neat. Yep. Yep. That's a really long lens. Um, 
John Jennings, nice one. Oh, it, yeah, that tree farm. Have you ever owned really nice. a really really long lens? Um, in high school, I had. I mean, what's really long? I had a four hundred millimeter. Um, that uh, it was not a great lens. It was like you know one of those Ritz camera Quantare yeah, yeah, yeah. branded. You know, just a four hundred millimeter telly. Uh, but you know, it was fun for like air shows and sure. things like that because we used to go to a lot of military air shows man that picture of dubai um, is weird looking the sebastian lee one it almost right. looks fake god that's man what a weird place that is let's just build lots of highways and buildings and things out here in the middle of the desert because yeah trade or we whatever can. yeah because, because we're we rich yeah yeah hey uh speaking of dubai uh, if you would like to see more amazing shots of Dubai, go check out the new issue, The New Yorker. In fact, I think it's, you can go online and look at it. Um, ben Thomas. Ah, uh, Ben Thomas. Uh, shot, the, the New Yorker sent him to Dubai. Uh, and uh, and he, he kind of applied his... Oh, his look. His, yeah, um, yeah his, his chroma color palette to photos of dubai and they're they're really really neat it's a good look oh yeah um, look at that yeah he is coming and as a matter of fact speaking of ben thomas ben i hope i'm not telling tales out of school but i think ben is coming in september uh to okay. new york uh he's, he's doing a, a a gallery show but i think he said he was going to be able to stop in new york and if so um, maybe we could do a little yeah, meetup. Let's make it happen in in NYC. That would be a lot of He's fun. He's like, I haven't been in school in a decade. Right. He's. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's what he's thinking to himself. Yeah. He's thinking to himself, cute, like you remember school. You know, I don't remember because I listened to that show. Your uh, your uh, process driven with him. But how does he get such yep. depth of field? I don't remember what he said. Is he is he stopping down super or is he stacking or anything? Because they they all seem very like flat. You know what I mean? Uh, it, yes, I think he stopped. Okay, down. I was just wondering if he had a particular technique that I couldn't remember. I don't remember now that I ben, now that I think about that. Thanks for send putting us me on a, the spot. send us an email. Remind us. <laughs> um, now this okay. Th wait a minute. Let's talk about this thing for a minute. This Sebastian Lee thing because. This reminds me, what was the guy that we talked about? I mean, this is, Jesus, probably two years back. Could maybe be five more, years back. That used like the ND filters to get super long exposures in, in like oh, Los Angeles, oh, yeah, 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 New yeah. York, in and fact, Paris. In fact, you know, there's, a, there's a way to do that with Photoshop now. Did you know that? There's, you can, no. there's a way to do multiple exposures where it removes people. Um, hmm. Here, uh, keep talking. And... Uh, yeah. Anyway, for those of you who haven't been listening for 700 hours, uh, one of the photographers that we talked about, and maybe we can find him or her. Was it him or her? Anyway, uses ND filters and I do very, very long exposures. He, and I think it was an Asian guy, wasn't it? I can't yeah, remember. Using multiple exposures to remove people. There's a way to do this. In fact, there's a, there's a Linda course on it, and I will find... Uh, yeah, removing people with focus stacks. This is a uh, or uh, uh, image stacks. Oh yeah, look at that. Okay, so what do you do? Okay, uh, second you'll need Photoshop, CS3, CS4, CS5. Oh, that's so cute. Um, yeah, basically. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes. Sorry. Yeah, there's a that's there's right. a way to do it. Uh, 
by blending images, uh, which is kind of cool. It's a little little trick. We'll see if we can find this other one, but it was it was really wild uh, because it was you know empty streets of of these giant cities, uh, and it, it looked like that that scene in Vanilla Sky. Remember when, when New York was uh, all Yeah, in Times Square. They shot that at uh, yeah. dawn, and they actually blocked off most of Times Square to do that shoot. True story. Nice. Uh, I remember thinking, how the hell did they do that? Uh, you like that movie? Uh, I do you, like that movie. You, that's a Cameron Crowe movie, isn't it? Because it's a remake of yes. Open Your Eyes Spanish version. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that movie. That was a strange film. Where what's his name is uh, is 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 the the shrink who's kind of the father figure, uh, right? Yeah, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, maybe I have to watch that again. Go, go watch and the, the creepy part where the well, I won't say because I don't want to ruin it for people. Yeah, don't don't mess it up for those you know. And yeah, it was fifteen years ago, but still, don't spoil it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So what's so wait? You have a you have an assignment for this week? Yeah, uh, overhead is is the assignment for this week overhead so is it is it something you're looking at something from overhead or is something over your head bum, bum, bum. or is there something else entirely going on overhead uh, hey you know i i bought a new lens for my trip and i think i'm sending it back is that the you said that there was some focus issue uh, or something or it was noisy or something? Is that, no, the, is that I, the same one? I, I got a um, I bought a uh, the fifty five two eight, which is sort of the kit lens of this camera. It's sort of the the fast, slightly wide, sort of forty two millimeter ish, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 a nice piece of glass. It is fine. It's weather sealed. So on this camera body, this is the this is the body lens combination that that crazy video where the guy stuck it in the sand and put it under the shower. It was this lens. So I right. like the idea of having a thing that, you know, is fairly light and also weather sealed and sort of the, the focal length that I like the thing is, is that it's fine. I got, I got it for like 750 bucks used. Right. Um, this is the KEH. Yeah. One, I right? bought it from KEH. Uh, although I, and I got an RMA to send it back, uh, yesterday. Um, but it, it's fine, but I and, and it's beautiful, and the images are great, and I really shouldn't have anything to complain about it. But you know when there's certain lenses that you put on your camera and you open up the files later and you go, wow, I like that picture. You know what I mean? Like there's there's something about the lens that just has a character to it. This lens mm-hmm. doesn't have a character that really speaks to me. You know what I mean? Like it, hmm. I feel like my at 2.8, I love the fact that I can get that much light in, but at 2.8, it is incredibly shallow depth of field, like, you know, 1.4 on a 35 millimeter level depth of field. Right. So you almost have to stop down a little bit anyway, if you want to get eyelashes in focus. And so at that point, you're kind of into the territory of my 45 to 85 zoom, you know what I mean? At 4.5. So it's sort of like, it's hard to justify another seven, 800 bucks for something that I kind of already have in the other zoom as nice as it is. Sure. I kind of wanted it to be one of those lenses that I put on and I think I never want to take this off the camera just because I love everything that comes out of it. And I didn't quite feel that way. So there's your tech talk mm. for 30 seconds. So sending it back. Well, sending it's, it you know, th- it happens. All right. Photographer of the week is Diane Tuft, who I found while looking for pictures of the Arctic that I saw the other day online. And I was like, oh, wait, these are actually way better than the pictures I saw of the Arctic the other day online. Uh, 
Uh, obviously a landscape photographer shoots with what I can only imagine are very long lenses considering the flatness of the perspective of these images. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's up in the Arctic, she's in Greenland, she's in Iceland, but then she was also at Salt Lake and in different like, uh, uh, distillations of places and things and, and some like really low things of, uh, of, of snow melting and that kind of stuff. But I think the most successful stuff are these like Arctic pictures from the air looking down on mountains and, right. and that kind of stuff. I mean, they look almost abstract, you know? Yeah. We were, we were talking before the show. It's, it's like if you, if you zoom in on, on Bertinsky or something that, yeah. and it just becomes almost unrecognizable as an object. It yeah. just becomes form and texture, which is funny because Bertinsky tends to use wider lenses, right? Right. Right. Yeah. It's sort of, she's, she's, she's the long lens of Bertinsky. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I, she appreciates that. I also thought it was a little, they're a little Gorski esque in the sense that I could imagine these look amazing as giant prints on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, six, seven feet like, across or yeah, something. Yeah. They almost feel like paintings in that way. In fact, here, look at the, look at, look, my God, look at this one. Tell me that this, you wouldn't even think that this was, oops, sorry. Uh, there's the link. Uh, let's try that again. Um, that this was, this could totally be a painting. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like like uh, some sort of uh, microscopy or something. Yeah, right, right, right. Like you could you could see somebody with with like a knife, right? Like painting that on, like yeah, you know what I mean? Like just scraping it across. Um, yeah, really and then the, beautiful. The uh, the uh, go to the next image right there. It's uh, diamond dust and sea ice. You see that one? Yep. That almost looks like uh, Sugimoto. Is it that that does the 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 horizon images mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the sea? That's what that kind of feels like to me, right? Minimalism done right. Um, anyway, just yeah. r- really this beautiful, beautiful work. Really, really um, good, yeah. And uh, she, she's uh, been around uh, for a long time. Actually, look at that, Long Island City. I should, I should contact her. Oh, look at the, the Salt Lake Reconsidered portfolio. Oh, yeah, there, there's a couple in the Salt Lake one that I really like. That's great. God, with the red. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, so this, this is... You know, we 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 sometimes, some of us, forget that that the abstraction that photography affords is just as interesting as the literal or yeah. the figurative. I tend to think that I tend to look at these, and the ones that I think are most successful are the ones that I can't tell what it is at first. Mm-hmm. You know. The ones where I look and I go, oh, that's a coastline with whatever. Like those aren't as interesting to me as the ones where I look and go, what the hell is that? Right. <laughs> you know, like there, there's one in this Salt Lake states of matter that is obviously um, like sections of these pools. Like you can see these sort of dikes between sections. Right. And right. One of them is red. Like that one to me is really cool. I like the I like the composition and the angles, but it's not nearly as good as the one two down unbounded time, which to mm-hmm. me just looks like mm-hmm. what the hell? You know, I don't even know what that could possibly be, you know. Her books look beautiful too. She's got a couple books available. Yeah, artist statement. Since 1998, I've been documenting the beauty and fragility of our ever-changing environment by photographing natural world as seen through the light that is the outside of our visible spectrum by exploring both the infrared and ultraviolet light spectrum. Ah, that's that's her angle. Uh, I'm able to record what the naked eye cannot see. Sensitivity of infrared film allows me to capture radiation and reflection uh, of infrared light on the landscape. Printing these black and white photographs in platinum creates images that are both otherworldly and thought-provoking. In order to document ultraviolet light, I travel extensively looking for conditions where ultraviolet light is prevalent, such as the Great Salt Lake in Utah, Iceland, Greenland, 
New Zealand, Antarctica, and the Arctic Ocean. Ultraviolet light is responsible for the vibrant ethereal colors of these images. Its effect on the planet is a growing concern. Interesting. So she's using the thing she's trying to highlight as the key ingredient right, in her right. That's that's the yeah, that's the juice. That's a good hook. Uh, ozone depletion, global warming, or increasing the amount of ultraviolet light, infrared that reaches the Earth's surfaces. Uh, my photographs capture a moment in time without spectral boundaries. Ooh, nice. I yeah. like, see, there's, there's some art school pretense well spent without <laughs> spectral boundaries. That's good. Uh, a moment of infrared light and a moment of ultra, ultraviolet. These moments are never the same. Our world is constantly changing, filled with mystery and lit by light that we cannot always see. I hope my photographs can elucidate these truths and provide a richer discussion of how we coexist with the environment that is so beautiful, powerful, and precious. That's, that's nice. The, 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 yeah, the good find. Yeah. So, uh, Diane Tuft. So go check it out. Uh, her work is really beautiful. And, uh, and I think, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really I good. Should, good find. I should try to get a hold of her. That'd be, a, she'd be a fun. I like this thing where I'm shooting other photographers. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's fun meeting people who do very different stuff than me, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, coupon to some extent, or even, uh, the, the, uh, Tushman, right. The Richard Tushman does the miniatures right, right. or, or Tabitha out in California, you know, like just meeting people who are shooting different stuff. I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. Just how different people work different ways, you know? Um, anything else before we wrap this up? Oh, uh, if anybody's interested, I was on the new screensavers on Twit last week, episode 100. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, it was for that. fun. If you want to hear me it. talk, hanging out with Leo. How were the pancakes? Uh, you know, funny enough, I didn't get to try the pancakes, and uh, I was going to. Did the pancake we, bot die? Uh, the pancake bot was there, which was kind of weird. The pancake bot. That thing was like I was hanging out and playing with a pancake bot for a good two hours. Nice. Uh, while I was there, uh, I also got to hang out with, um, uh, the, 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 uh, whoa, shoot. What was his name? Wallace Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works for the Smithsonian, uh, astrophysical observatory. He's the, one of the guys who works on the Chandra X-ray telescope. Oh, neat. And so I got to talk to him for a good 45 minutes, uh, all about, you know, did you take his how- picture? Uh, I didn't take his picture that day because I was busy doing other stuff, but I plan to take his picture at some point. Busy eating pancakes and talking to the pancake bot, sounds like. Well, yeah, and also I was preparing to, you know, talk on the camera. But anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to watch it. I don't know, I'm somewhere in the middle. So scroll to the middle so you see my wonky face, and uh, you can uh, go back a little bit and, and watch me. Um, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com if you want to send us an email, 347-687-9411. Will uh, leave us a voicemail, and we got a few good voicemails this week. In fact, yep. including a couple of people. Uh, what was the guy's name who wrote in about the straps we were talking about last week? Oh, you know what? Uh, hold peak, on, hold on. Peak design, right? Peak yeah, design. peak design. Uh, basically, a lot of people like the hand strap one, the one that kind of was it locks Mike? your camera down. Yeah, it was, Mike uh, Kukavica. Kukavica. Oh, is, it, oh, is that is that who wrote it? it was Mike yeah. Kukavica? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize that's who it was. Uh, cause somebody, is that who called in really? I felt compelled to mention this strap. Uh, da, okay. da, a couple is, of people actually, I think wrote in about the, about the strap. It, a lot of this people one's like called the a one glide that, strap. 
Yeah, that, that locks down. My big problem isn't having it around my neck or carrying it around and wanting to put it like on my on my belt or my waist. It's literally holding it in my hands gets tiring. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like gripping mm-hmm. the camera gets exhausting. So I think that that one where I can kind of lock it down on my wrist uh, or, you know, lock it down on my hand, on the body of my hand versus clenching my fingers the whole time might be a useful thing. Um. Hey, yeah. if 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 you are a Ryuichi Sakamoto fan, which I yep. am, uh, Ryuichi has got a new record out, uh, first one in almost a decade, and the fine folks at Vice are are allowing you to stream the whole thing uh, at Thump. So uh, it's you got it's a link really, for that. It's really good. Yeah, it's in the show notes. Oh, okay, right well, right above uh, the assignment. Oh, I um, got it. Yep, terrific. I mean, if you're a fan of his at all. If you don't know Ryuichi Sakamoto, um, Oscar winning composer for the last emperor, uh, was also, uh, a kind of, a pop pioneer with a band called Neo Geo, um, collaborates. Who also with, made uh, video games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, collaborates with a ton of people, including David Sylvian, who's another one of my favorites. If you don't know David Sylvian, look him up, um, gained prominence in a band called Japan, um, but fantastic musician, great lyricist, and uh, um, Ryuichi's new record is really terrific. Awesome! I will check it out. Uh, what else? I think what else it. you got? Right oh, uh, at Bill Wadman at Jeffrey Doris at Wadman three sixty five on an Instagram. What else? Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Let's so uh, uh, let's let here, people go make some stuff. Yeah, go make some stuff. We will see you uh, next time. And, uh, you know, thanks for being here for for this. We we appreciate you being here. Mm -mm. Love it every week. Now what are you drinking? Like Ovaltine Uh, or something? At the moment, uh, energy vitamin water. Energy vitamin water. Which is really just like 60 milligrams of caffeine. (laughs) So you're drinking a cup of coffee even though you don't drink coffee. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I was offered a lot of coffee while in San Francisco. What a shock. None of which I drank. (laughs) Ugh. We'll convert you one day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. the way